Area 10 Faith Community meets in the historic Bird Theater in Carytown in Richmond, Virginia. We worship together at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, both in person and online at youtube.com slash area10church. Kid-friendly programming is also available at the same time just down the street at 2810 at Community Gathering Place. We hope to see you at the Bird Theater soon. Now, on to this week's message. I have a good friend of mine who likes to gamble, and he likes to go to casinos, like on cruises and stuff. And so he was on this cruise last month, and he was telling me about it. And I said, oh, how'd you do? You know, how'd, how'd it go playing in the cruise and everything? And so it was good. He said, um, they came over the loudspeaker, and they announced when somebody has, like, a really big winning in, in the casino. And he said, um, he said, yeah, someone was playing slots, like the slot machines, and they won $47,000. And I was like, that's a good cruise. Like, that, that was... That went well for them, you know. And, and I was thinking about that. I was like, that would be, you know, that's wild. And he goes, and he said, yeah, but what you don't know is how long they sat there in order to win $47,000. Like, and I started thinking about that. I'm like, you're on a Caribbean cruise. You're seeing some of the, you know, some of the prettiest places in the world. And you're going to be like stuck in the middle of the ship somewhere with no windows. And you're going to take a stack of coins or bills or whatever it is. And you're going to play, you're going to put them in this machine, and you're going to pull this lever or push the button or whatever, and then you're going to wait, and, oh, it didn't happen. And then you press it again, and it didn't happen. You're going to do this for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. And then, you know, with the hopes that one time you'll win, and maybe that'll, that'll pay out. And I just thought, that is insane. That is insane behavior to just sit there over and over, pushing the thing, hoping that it'll, it'll come up aces or whatever, you know? But then I thought about my phone and how sometimes I hit the refresh button like over and over with hopes that something new will come up and it's very exciting. You ever do that? With Instagram, with your email, with Twitter. Oh, maybe this time it'll be the thing. Those are the same processes in the brain. The process that makes you sit there and pull the lever with hopes to win the money is the same mechanism that is being used by social media and, and, and our phones to make us addicted to them. It's a little dopamine hit in the brain. Um, lots, of, lots of companies do it. Uh, currently, TikTok is the best at it. It is the best at being the worst uh, for, for your brain of just getting you to swipe and click and like and follow. And, and, and it, it is really great at getting you addicted. And I know we all think we're stronger than that, but there are many people with PhDs from places like MIT whose jobs are to make you addicted to it. So unless you are smarter than all of them, right, uh, we're, we're just also susceptible to it. Um, and we need to be aware of it and what companies are doing. Uh, Silicon Valley sort of ethicist uh, Tristan Harris says we, we are, these companies are at a race to the bottom of the brainstem. They are all fighting to get to the very primal thing in your brain and, and make it turn on so that you will continue to pay attention. You will eventually continue to buy. We need to recognize this is happening to us. Um, as, as a culture, as, as people in the West in, in, this, in this century. Uh, E.O. Wilson said it this way, the real problem of humanity is the following. We have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. And it is terrifically dangerous, and it is now approaching a point of crisis overall. Um, I don't know that our brains have really caught up to the kind of technology that is available to us 
at, at the touch of a screen. Um, and I want to talk about, about that because I think this is all connected to our topic today, which is uh, the idea of self-control. Um, let me ask you a question. Do you feel like you are a more self-controlled person than you were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago? Like, are you growing in self-control? Would you say, man, I'm, I'm more dialed in now than I was a year ago? Um, and if not, why not? I would actually argue that the, the loss of self-control is um, really, with social media and all these things, I think this is a systemic problem. And so we need to talk about it that way as well. It's not just you, you just really suck at this, okay? I just want to give you some freedom here up front and say, this isn't me going to be like, you just, you just, you're just terrible at self-control. You suck. No. There's a problem here. There's something in the water, right, like that we, need to, that we also need to talk about. Um, everyone is addicted to their phone, it seems like, in, in some way. It's the same way. It's very similar to food. You know, if, 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 uh, if, if you look at skyrocketing childhood obesity rates over the last 20-plus years, you're like, is every kid just eating a lot more now? Like, what's going on? And it's like, no, there, something's in the food supply. The sugar and carbs thing that's going on, it is having an effect on, on everybody. So I want to talk about uh, self-control. This is the last in our series called Vintage, and we've been looking at the fruits of the Spirit. These are qualities that the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us wants to develop in us. This is the, what, what he produces in our lives as we are followers of, of Christ over time. They are listed in Galatians chapter 5. You guys have been great of reading these with me. We're going to read them one more time together just so we can really lock in this list. Let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Self-control is last on the list. And sometimes when something's last on the list, it's an afterthought. You know, he, he front-loaded it with the good stuff, love, joy, and peace. That's what we really like. The self-control, meh, I don't know. I guess, you know, was Paul like, I will throw that one in there too. Um, so sometimes it's like that. Or sometimes the last thing on the list is the thing you really need to remember. That's why they put it last. Like, oh, I want to really leave you with this one thought. And I don't know if it's exactly that. But I would argue that self-control really affects all the other fruits of the Spirit. To be more patient requires self-control. To be more loving, it's going to require a sense of self-control. To have more peace, joy, like all of these things, it, they, they seem to flow through self-control. And so our lack of self-control uh, is something we need to uh, pay attention to. So the opposite of self-control um, would be... Um, something like, and I guess we can use the word indulgence. Indulgence is have as much as you want whenever you want. Now, we usually think of indulgence as like food. In fact, we'll use it on a menu. They'll call a, a dessert like, you know, sinful chocolate indulgence. Like that should be a warning to us, not a, like an enticement. It shouldn't, we should, like, it has sinful in the title, guys. Like clearly we should pay attention, right? Like, but we think of indulgence in terms of food. Um, have what you want, whenever you want. Don't just have a brownie, have all the brownies. We even, and, and again, these things should be just so, sort of obvious to us about the, where indulgence shows up around us. We even have all-you-can-eat buffets in this country, which in the history of the world, is that not a crazy thing? Like, hey, we're like, you know food? You just come over here, pay one price, you can have all of it, as much as you want. Just keep eating. Like, that is wild, 
Wild that we invented that. Wild that that exists in the world. All you can eat buffets. I was talking to Chase. He's in, in my, my, uh, form eight, one of my men's formation groups. And he was in Kenya last week or um, last month working on water projects for some rural villages in Kenya that haven't had rain in four years. So if you don't have rainwater and you, you don't have water access and then the water's deep underground, you can't even grow anything. So they have a si- significant problem there with water and food. And we have all-you-can-eat buffets. And I'm like, it, it's, it's hard to get my head around the opportunities for indulgence that we have in our culture. We do it with food. We, um, we indulge in alcohol. Uh, since we legalized being able to make breweries in, in Virginia about a decade ago, um, everything's a brewery now. It's weird. How did this happen? We have like, you know, bingo and breweries and shuffleboard and breweries and board games and breweries and like arcades and breweries. And then we're like, we're like, let's do something healthy. We're going to do a 5k run to a brewery. And then we're going to have like a, a hit workout followed by a brewery. And I'm like, we have breweries with breweries in them. Like I'm like, oh, whoa, on the beer. Like, whoa. Like if you want to indulge, um, it is there. We're about it. Uh, so much indulgence that we have in our culture. Um, we do it with things like sex. Um, who needs one sexual monogamous partner when you can have so many options available to you at all times, especially in this digital age when you can when you have pornography and, and, and apps and things that you can get on your phone that allow you to indulge or overindulge a, a sexual appetite. Um, when I was growing up, if you wanted to see porn, you, you, had, you had to have a cousin that was a little off, you know, and they had like a stash and so you, you could go to their house and they had, oh, come look at this. I got this in my closet. And, that, and, that's, and that's how you saw pornography. It was not beamed into a device that you could carry around in your pocket at all times. Like this is a different world. And so um, the indulgence that we can have there, um, it's, it's, it's wild what we can, we can do now. It's all become so cheap and easy. Uh, we can indulge in entertainment. We live in a wonderful place. There's beaches, there's mountains. There's, of course, over the mountains, there's more wineries, which are like breweries, but with wine. And so you got that. But um, there's so much that we can do for entertainment options. Um, we have on-demand television, you know, like it used to be if you missed the show when it was on, you guess you just didn't see the show. And now it's like on-demand. You can have it when you want. And we now have this phenomenon the last really decade or so of binge-watching something. In the history of the world, the word binge has never been a positive thing. You know, and I don't know why we react to it like it is now. We're like, oh, new season came out. I binge-watched this whole weekend. I'm like, did you, did you throw up afterwards? Are you okay? Like, did you, you binged, right? That's like, we all agree. Do we all agree that's not a good thing? But this is where we're at. We have the opportunities for indulgence um, all over the place. Where do you think that's going to go? Where will all this indulgence lead? Well, we don't have to guess uh, because it's not new. Our version of it is new. Um, Our peculiar ways we have indulgences. And and, and I would say, you know, in in many ways, the the digital age is, is gas on the fire, of indulgence, but um, it's not new. People have indulged before, and it, it is, uh, and it goes somewhere. And so it's not a new problem. The Apostle Paul actually wrote a letter in about 57 AD. He wrote to the church in Rome, and he talks to them about 
Uh, I think about indulgence, although he doesn't use that word, but I, w- I want us to look at the concept here. I just want to read this kind of this section for you. It's in Romans chapter 6. He's laying out an argument for the first half of the book of Romans that we're all pretty jacked up, and we have messed up, and we have sinned, and we have broken things, and we have broken our relationship with God. And um, in Romans 6, 16, listen to what he says. We'll put it on the screen. I'll read it to you. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves... You are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. All right, there's a lot of, lot of stuff in there, but Paul kind of lays it out this way for us and basically says, here's what's going to happen. You will serve someone or something. You are going to lay down your life for someone or something else and serve that thing or that person. You, uh, and he refers to it as slavery. The word slave also translated as bond servant. Um, you're basically going to be owned by someone in some way. And he says you're either going to serve sin, you're going to in- overindulge, and that's going to become your thing and you're going to be a slave to it. Or he says you will be obedient to Christ And then he tells us, and this is the good news in here, he says, um, being obedient to Christ or serving Christ can actually will help you be set free from sin. Um, That should land really well on us because the idea of being set free from anything is is a thing we just love in this country. Like we are Americans, we love freedom, uh, we, we love the idea that we, we can be set free. When you say freedom, we think this means you, that I'm free, therefore I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And we love that stuff in this country, don't we? Man, I can do whatever I want. Like if, if I've got the time and I've got some money, uh, and this is the kind of country where there's not a lot of restrictions, I can do whatever I want. We all have a little bit of a libertarian streak in us. It's, you know, don't tread on me. Nobody tread on anybody of, on anything. Like, stay off me. We say it in different ways, you know. It's just like, you do you, right? I'm just doing my thing over here. Don't bother me. You do you. That, that's what we're saying. Um, it's weird to me. I read Deuteronomy this week, just a, an extra bonus thought here. Where there's a group of us reading through the scriptures, and there's a verse in Deuteronomy where Moses is talking about the Israelites, and it, and, and it was said of the Israelites as they wandered in the desert, it said that basically everybody was doing in their heart what was right, what they decided was right in their heart. That's what everybody did. Everybody decided in their own heart, this is what I'm going to do, and that this is what is right. And I read that, and I thought, man, in America, we think that's a virtue. That was not meant as, as a virtue. It was a criticism, a criticism that everybody was deciding in their own heart what was right. And we read that, we're like, I mean, that's great, right? Isn't that the goal? Everybody gets to decide what they want? No. You, you, you put yourself under something and, and choose to follow something. And so Paul rightly points out that when we, um, it, you know, in our effort to be free, we end up sinning and overindulging, and it actually leads us to slavery. Our, our, you can have whatever you want, whenever you want. This ends badly for 
humanity. And you can see it in little ways now. You're free to buy whatever car you want. But if you buy the car with the big car payment, guess what you're going to be doing? You're going to be working to pay off the car. If you uh, overindulge on your credit card, you are, going to, you are going to serve the credit card company. They will be your master. You will owe them, and, you, and they will own you in some way because you will have to work, you will have to grind to serve them. The indebtedness will enslave you. Same thing with food. You are free to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. But if you follow that instinct and you have whatever, whenever, eventually, this does not go well as you get older. It damages your health and it's going to actually shorten your life. Paul actually gets very direct about where it goes. Verse 20, he says this, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You weren't having to follow any rules, right? But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and may have become, this is uncomfortable for us, right? Have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. So this is the idea. Number one, indulgence leads to slavery and eventually death. The wages, the wages of the payment for the job, right? The payment for sin, Paul says, is death. And man, it never starts that way, does it? Indulgence and sin, and it doesn't start that way. It starts really small. And in, in, in a lot of cases, it starts in a good desire. It starts when you want something good. What is pornography except a desire for connection and intimacy that you're going about it in a bad way to get there? Like, so many things start small, and they start innocently enough. I mean, um, a glass of wine enjoyed among friends is a good, it can be a good thing. It can be, uh, you know, um, it, it can be very nice. It could be, a, if you believe the, 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 the what is it, uh, wine is a gift proof that God loves us. It's a, I, I, that's not in the Bible, by the way. That's like Ben Franklin or something. But, you know, fine, that's, that works too. That's fine. Um, the, these things, a lot of things that enslave us start so harmlessly. It was just it was just one drink. It was just a harmless flirtation. It's just one quick hit. It's just a little dessert. Nobody signs up to get addicted or enslaved to things. We sign up for one little thing, and then it becomes one more and one more. This is, this is how it goes. You, didn't, you, you maybe had a beer, and you said, I like the taste, and it mellows me out and gives me a little bit of confidence or whatever it was, right? That's how it starts, and when one beer becomes 12 and you end up in the basement of a church in a 12-step program because you burn down relationships, like, nobody started that way. That's not what you were signing up for. You signed up for one beer. It's, it's, it's weird how that happens, but this is the road that it goes down. Um, the indulgence always wants more. There's brain chemicals involved with that. You get one hit and then it takes a little more the next time to get that same feeling. This is why there's so much sugar in the food supply that we have in this country because we got a little bit of it and we just get used to it and you get addicted. There's more sugar in a can of Pepsi, one can, than you should have in a day. One can. This is what we're, why? Because it's what we get used to. And it just, it keeps building in our brains. This is why Rousseau, the French philosopher, he said, man is born free and everywhere he is in chains. This is true. If you haven't seen, I mean, 
I'm sure you've seen that in your family tree, right? You've seen that with a spouse. You've seen that with a friend. You've seen that with your parents. You've seen that with children. And maybe if we're looking closely enough, we can see that in ourselves. Yeah, we're free technically, but we sure grab chains real often and in so many different ways. But I have good news. I don't think it has to be that way. I think there's something here that the Spirit is trying to do in us so we don't continue to go that road. And I would say it this way, number two, discipline or self-control leads to freedom. It's rare that I can wear a shirt. That is the point of my sermon, but I'm wearing it today. Discipline equals freedom. And I would say discipline slash self-control. There is a path that leads to life and it leads to flourishing. And this is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us. He wants to build self-control in us. The Apostle Paul talks about it this way in his letter to the church in Corinth. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, put it on the screen. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run in a way that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Um, Paul uses the analogy of athletes, and I know not all of us are athletes, but I think we can all understand the idea. If you're going to accomplish and you're going to win a prize and you're going to compete, you have to be in training. You have to enter a rigorous training, exercise, diet, whatever, in order to accomplish the thing. Like you, you see that um, in, in sports, you see that in music. If you're going to get great at, at an instrument, you have to enter into some sort of training. You see that in things like language acquisition. You have to work at it in order to learn a new language. You have to enter a course of discipline that over time enables you to become something that you are not. Dallas Willard One of my favorites, uh, he refers to spiritual disciplines, and he talks about them this way. He says, disciplines are activities within our power that enable us to accomplish what we cannot do by direct effort because we meet with the actions of God with us. The effect of discipline is to enable us to do what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. Spiritual disciplines is training to enable us to do what we couldn't do by direct effort alone. I can't, there are, you know, um, very few of us could walk out of this room and run a marathon, but we could train for it, and by that training, it would enable us to do something that we cannot do with just a whole lot of want to and effort alone, right? This is how spiritual disciplines work, and when we exercise self-control, it helps grow this discipline in us. The indulgence leads to slavery and death, self-control leads to life and flourishing. You see this in the physical world, it's pretty obvious. Um, Food, exercise, these sorts of things. When we indulge, it it does not go well for us, but when we maintain discipline, it gets us to where we want to go. And I would actually say the same thing is true of the disciplines that we would take on um, with our relationships with God. When uh, When we pray regularly, we get better at it. It's uncomfortable at first, just like going to the gym is uncomfortable at first, but when we pray regularly, we get better at it and it enables us to be able to communicate with God better. When we read the scripture, we are hearing from God, and when we do it regularly, 
we start to recognize what his voice sounds like. And we start to get comfortable with the scripture itself and go, okay, I can see how God works through this stuff. Um, I, I've told you this before. These disciplines, whether it's praying or, or um, fasting, you know, uh, that we talked about the Lenten pathway where you give something up, you're going to give away, give up food or something like that. Disciplines like these, praying, fasting, taking Sabbath, um, uh, reading the scripture. For me, these are not um, things that I have attempted to engage in over the years in order to become a super spiritual person. These are not like, um, ex- like the extra credit assignment that your teacher gives. Hey, if you really want an A, you could do this extra work. It has not functioned that way in my life. Maybe it's been different for you. But I- I've mentioned this to you before. These things help me just get back to like, okay. <laughs> like, these are survival skills for me. Um, of, of like, because the world is nuts, and we're bombarded with nuts. It's like craziness out there. And, and it is very easy to get off, off track. It's easy to forget who I am. It's easy to forget what I'm here for. It's easy to forget about what really matters. Because you've got a constant bombardment of media and other things that are telling you what matters, what's important, what you should be about, and what's cool now, what's popular, and all that. And going back to these disciplines helps me go, okay, I need to recenter this thing. What is life actually about? Um, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I read the scripture so I don't go negative, and I re- remember why I'm here. I, I fast because I can so easily overindulge. I take, I take a day off every week and try to practice Sabbath because I'm prone to work all the time. Um, the self-control um, actually in all of those things can actually lead to some freedom and some health and flourishing. So how do we grow in self-control? Let me give you one idea here and then we're done. It's this, number three, clear the path. Clear the path. You can want to grow in your faith. You can want to grow in in your depth of self-control. You can want to, so many things. Um, And you can even make a plan for it. But if you don't have a clear path, you're probably not going to get there. Very simply, I can want to drive to Atlanta. I don't know why anybody ever does, but somebody would want to drive to Atlanta. I could want that. And I could have a plan. I could gas up my car, and I could be like, I'm going to take 85 South, and off we go. But if there's a traffic jam or an accident and and the road is blocked, I might not get to Atlanta. You can want to. You can have a plan. But you need a clear path. You have to have a way to, to get there. And so look for ways to clear the path for self-control. Look at the things that are in the way of your self-control. Let me give you this example. Uh, this is the easy, obvious one, and you, you all know what I'm going to say because, well, you've heard me before. Um, the easy, obvious one is, uh, I, and I bring this up because I don't think anything is sucking our self-control quite the way our phones are. It is this black mirror that is in your pocket uh, or your purse, and it is giving you drugs. It is giving you dopamine. It is giving you little hits of satisfaction. Um, so clearing the path to self-control might look like make that thing less useful to you. Take a lot of apps off of it. Um, I would encourage you to, to uh, take every notification off your phone. Do not let it send you anything telling you that you need to respond to it. 
Um, any push notification of anything, just quit with the notification. Recommendations. You don't have to do what I say. I'm just giving you ways that have been helpful for me to clear the path um, that maybe will help you. Um, turn off every notification. People are like, oh, you know, my phone's just a tool. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect me. It is not just a tool. A shovel is a tool. A shovel does not glow and buzz and ask you to come pick it up, right? Like, let's be honest about it. It's a different thing. We have always had tools in the history of the world. They don't glow and buzz and tell you to come touch them. Like, that is a different thing here, okay? So make it be less useful to you. Don't have it send you things, notify you, take some apps off of it. Um, don't have it, don't, uh, have it be your master, um, another tip I would give you on this one is uh, put it far away from you. This is weird that we're having to do this. Like, but, you know, like, you know, people like, I don't know, if you could like lock your cookie jar because you're afraid you're getting cookies. Uh, put your phone far away. And I would say, especially when you sleep. When I sleep, we sleep upstairs. The phone is downstairs, which means if you have a crisis in the middle of the night and you call me, I'm not going to get it. So I hope, that, uh, I hope that it's all right, but I probably won't because we sleep far away from the phone. Um, because I don't want it buzzing. I don't want to touch it when I wake up in the morning. I don't want it to be the last thing I touch before I go to bed at night. I, I don't want it in my life that way. So that would be, an, I, I've seen some people, um, uh, TJ showed me, he's got a, a, like a phone box in his house where the phone goes and they shut the lid on it. And it's like, especially for like Sabbath day, they're like, we just don't have our phone on one day a week. We just, it goes in the box. I'm like, that's a cool idea. Uh, wh- whatever, whatever it takes. Uh, put it put it far away from you. You can do that not just with phones. This could be food. This could be video games. It could be whatever. Just make an effort to clear the path. Um, this is not easy. Uh, there are days, periods of time where I feel like I'm crushing it. I feel very disciplined. I feel very self-controlled. And I feel like I'm checking the boxes and I'm, I'm, I'm dialed in. And then there are days that I'm not. Um, and some days I'm, I'm disciplined in what I eat, and some days I eat all the chocolate. Um, there's, yo, there's these pretzel bites with peanut butter in them, and if you have those with chocolate chips as well, it is magic in your mouth. Like, it is just like the explosion of all the chemicals fire off in my brain. And I'm like, I, I, and I have a couple of those. I'm like, I need to have all of these. Are there more of these? Can I go get more of these at the store? Well, they make more. Like, can I keep having these? Um, so I, I get it. It's not, it's not always easy. Um, but I, I, I think we need to pay attention to uh, this discipline, the spiritual disciplines, and, the, and this idea of self-control and ask the Lord to grow these things. Lord, I am I'm weak. Help me to be strong. Um, and maybe you tell someone, go, man, I'm weak in this area. Can you, can you walk with me? Because I want to be strong in this area. Um, lastly, I just want to give you this. We gave you a brochure when you, when you came in. Everybody should have got one when you came in. It's a trifold brochure. And uh, if you didn't get one on the way in, make sure you get one before you leave. It is basically a spiritual, uh, it is these fruits of the spirit self-assessment. And so it, it, it's the things we've talked about for the last eight weeks. And there are six statements that you sort of identify which you most agree with. So kind of a scale of like, if it was like not very good to very good, right? Simply. Um, and it's a self-assessment. So you look through this today and rate yourself and go, where am I with this one? Okay, I'm like a three on this. I'm a four on this. This is love, joy, peace, patience, all those things. 
I know it's not clean. I know it's not perfect. I can't say I'm a four in joy and a two in patience. I, like, like I, I know we can't really put a number on it, but let's not use that as an excuse to not even try to assess our, how are we doing, right? So this is an assessment. You, you circle the number that you think most accurately describes where you're at, and they're not perfect, but what most accurately. And then on the, on the back of this thing, there's like a, uh, like a web sort of graph where you plot out the numbers, and you can kind of connect it like it's a spider web. Uh, and you can see like, oh, the, the, I, I need to grow more in these areas. And then there's a QR code that will link you to a page that we put up of resources that go along with each of those fruits of the Spirit. So if you're like, man, I really need to grow in my, in my sense of joy. I, I'm very low on that. Here are resources. Here's books you can read. Here's some articles, some things that would be useful to you uh, to help you in those areas. That is all imperfect, uh, but it is an attempt to say like, hey, let's, let's really assess where we're at. Don't just hear eight weeks of this in a message and go, oh, that was interesting. Yeah, I probably should be more patient. I should be more joyful. But here's a tool to assess and some next steps that hopefully will help you along. Next week, uh, TJ mentioned we're going to start our legacy series. And I like that on the heels of this because as we have learned these things and we are trying to grow in these things, we need to pass them on to the next generation as well. And so we need to have some conversations about um, really, I would say children, but really anybody who's younger than you that looks up at you at work or you're, you're, you're somebody's uncle or aunt or, like, uh, or parents or whatever, there's just a lot of conversations to have about how these vintage values can be passed on to the next generation. And we will start with that next week. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these values that we've been able to look at, the, the fruits of the Spirit. And I pray you grow these things in this church that we will become um, loving, joyful, peaceful, patient people. God, uh, we are surrounded by a culture that is not that. Uh, uh, we are surrounded by um, impatience and a lack of self-control and overindulgence and um, it's not leading us to healthy places. Those things are leading to us being enslaved to those things. And so, God, um, help us to be free. God, I know there's people who are not free right now who are feeling it today. We talked about whatever one thing I mentioned, your spirit is poking at them and saying, hey, pay attention to this thing. This is, this is you. This is something you need to pay attention to and notice. God, I pray you do your work in hearts and that we will not come out of here feeling heavy, burdened of how we are not doing good enough or anything like that, but we will recognize your grace and we will recognize that you love us and that you are for us. Um, thank you, Lord, so much for this series, this conversation. Uh, I pray we carry these things with us uh, throughout this year and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.